very honored that, to welcome our guest today, uh, Bob Lemon. Bob is uh, a speechwriter from uh, the Democratic side of the House. He was the chief speechwriter for Vice President Al Gore and in 2004, chief speechwriter for the Democratic National Committee. Oh, thank you for asking me, actually. I love to talk about this stuff. Yeah, well, it's great to, to have you, and uh, I think it's especially appropriate given that we're, what is it, 80-some days away from November, that uh, we do focus a little on political speech writing. But I wanted to ask you first, you've done high-level political speech writing for Vice President Gore, as well as working in the corporate world. And what are some of the challenges and rewards of those different environments as a speech writer? <laughs> uh, um, well, um, each has different challenges and uh, each has different rewards. Uh, take the challenges first. Uh, political speech writing has a crushing workload. When I wrote for Texaco in the 80s, uh, while my wife was getting a doctor, I wrote about 40 speeches a year. And when people complained about how bloated government is, I remember how bloated we were at Texaco. We had four speech writers and, you know, with about the same load, and that way we could always be on our way home by 5.15. In politics, you know, the first year I was on the Hill, for working for Lloyd Benson, I wrote about 150 speeches. I was there till midnight a lot with Gore. Um, I wrote about the same amount, and I edited another 100 or so. I think I wrote about 25,000 words a month when I was in the White House. That's like three three novels a year. Um, but you know, but there are rewards in the White House. In 1992, I, I think I made about $70,000 that year. You know, in corporate, the top writers now make at least 300000 you know, with a lot less work. Uh, next to writing Oscar-winning screenplays, speech, uh, speech writing can be the most lucrative writing that there is. And there's another reward aside from money. Uh, you, you know, you write something you believe in. When I wrote for Gore, I wrote about health care. I wrote about helping poor people. And was from a point of view that I believed, so that was terrific. And I don't mean that corporate doesn't offer that too. A lot of people I've worked with believe corporate work has meaning too. And I have one corporate client. I love doing it. You know, partly because he's uh, such a terrific guy. So, you know, the rewards and challenges are the same. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or, or you know, are are uh, different, but uh, in in uh, many ways are the same. Yeah, I mean, a, a, a speech is a speech to some extent, uh, and your your skills and your craft is useful in both areas. It, it is remarkable you highlighted the financial rewards. It would seem that many people in politics are in it because they're passionate about the you know the politician they're writing for, and they believe in the cause, so to speak. Um, oh yeah, I mean, speech writing in Washington is very partisan. It would be—it's really unusual for a Democrat to write for a Republican or a Republican to write for a Democrat. Uh, for one thing, uh, you know, you'd be very uncomfortable because the differences here are so uh, marked. You know, you—I think you'd feel uncomfortable if you're pro-choice writing a pro-life speech. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is, uh, everybody in the office would think you're an idiot because they've all, you know, drunk the Kool-Aid, and you haven't. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, that it's it is really writing about things that have meaning to you that I think uh, characterizes political speech. Yeah, 
Yeah. Now, I know you talk about the limitations speechwriters face working in the White House like you have. What are some of those limitations? I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because <laughs> that's something I, I talk about every time I, I teach. I, you know, uh, I, think people, I think we're limited as speechwriters in, in politics, but actually, you know, most kinds of uh, speechwriting uh, by what uh, people understand, you know, what they know and what they believe in. Um, let me start with understand. You know, average Amer- Americans average about a seventh grade reading level, and that is not the seventh grade that the people listening in here uh, uh, remember about themselves. Otherwise, they wouldn't be listening in. It's average seventh uh, seventh graders. So, what does that mean? My favorite example is this health literacy study I saw a while back, where uh, they said, "Here are what people uh, say about health." Um, what do these sentences mean? One of them was, do not take this medicine on an empty stomach. So 42% of these 2,700 people who were Americans, adults, and their native language was English, uh, 42% did not understand. The reason being that it's an idiom, and when they would look at it, they would say, wait, I have to be on my stomach? Why would I be on my... And this completely baffled them. So the lesson for me as a speechwriter is that when, you know, you got to write things that people understand. So I'm not going to write much more difficult in that sentence because you can't go to Barack Obama and say, I uh, got your uh, State of the Union speech. It's profound. It's got all your ideas. 42% of the listeners won't know what the hell you're talking about. So then, um, so that's, you know, I believe in short words, short sentences, and almost all the speechwriters that I know would say the same thing. Uh, Now, it's also what you know. You know, less than 50% of the population here can name the three branches of government. Uh, If you ask who's the father of your country, um, surveys show there are all kinds of things, you know, things people will say, you know, Clinton, I mean, uh, and uh, so you have to be very careful when you make a uh, you know, a reference that it's something that people are going to get. You know, if you talk about Valley Forge, uh, think about your audience because half your audience may not remember what Valley Valley Forge is, or believe you know, or don't know things that you think they would know. Uh, you know, I'll give you an example. 20% of Americans regularly poll that they think the sun revolves around the earth uh, every 24 hours. Um, so I once gave a, uh, a test like that to one of my classes, and two students, uh, honor students, uh, put the sun revolves around the earth. So the student said, oh, this is a late class. They just checked the wrong box. And then one student raised her hand. She had the nerve to say, I've always believed the sun revolves around the earth. Is that wrong? And we were all <laughs> struck dumb. But um, somebody found some face-saving way to, to comfort her. And, you know, so what people know is extremely important when you're thinking about what kinds of quotes uh, and uh, language to use. Finally, you know, what students, what people believe, 
you know, there are other surveys that show, you know, you know, what do people believe? Uh, God, heaven, hell is every uh, uh, or is every word in the Bible literally true? Which huge amounts of, you know, sixty percent, I think, or fifty percent of Americans believe. Though that's interesting, they believe it in the English version, but only forty percent believe it in the uh, Hebrew version. Uh, and then it says. You know, uh, extrasensory perception, ghosts, 38% of Americans believe in ghosts, 20% believe in astrology. So that tells me, and it should tell any speechwriter, that lots of people make decisions or beliefs uh, not based on a rational basis, um, you know, examination of evidence, but it feels right, or it was their upbringing. You know, people in religion say, I make a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. And to me, that means, as a speech writer, you can't just make a lawyerly brief and expect to convince people. You have to convince them by other means. And it was interesting you mentioned Obama in that, uh, as a president who you can't go to with a speech and tell him that 40% of people won't understand it. And you, I believe you've, we mentioned the book uh, that I'm holding in my hand, The Political Speechwriter's Companion, You've recently been co-author of a new book called uh, Democratic Orators from JFK to Obama. And I presume that would have included presidents like Johnson, yeah. not, not, not the Republican presidents like Bush. But is there a difference be- in technique between writing for Democrats and Republicans when it comes to speech writing? <laughs> uh, only, on, only on the views, uh, not the techniques. Uh, at all, and I I think Obama's a terrific uh, uh, speaker, and I think he has great speechwriters. But there's nothing original about what he does, and the reason you can know that, which is true of let's say Peggy Noonan, who wrote for Reagan, is that every technique that he uses has a Greek or Roman name. You know, Aristotle knew all these things, and mm-hmm. uh, you know so what characterize people is not the techniques that they use, but the skill with which they, uh, uh, you know, they, uh, uh, use them. Um, and, you know, if, uh, you know, when I'm talking as a Democrat, I'll say, yeah, write at a seventh grade level. You can, English is a rich language. You can, uh, you can say now, you don't have to say currently, uh, you don't. You can say and. You don't have to say additionally. Uh, you can use active voice, not passive voice. And um, by the way, and make. I want to make sure to mention this because so many uh, speechwriters don't know. Uh, there are readability stats on your computer. Uh, if you're using Word, uh, you used to be able to go in through uh, the options on your spell and grammar uh, uh, check. And if you enable them, it will tell you a tremendous amount of uh, really useful stuff. It'll tell you uh, how long your sentences are. It'll tell you um, what percent passive voice you have. And if anybody wants to ask about that in more detail uh, later, I'm happy to ramble on about that. It'll tell you what grade level you've written. I had a client last year who uh, her speechwriter thought she was writing really uh, understandable uh, stuff. 
and we enabled her um, uh, readability stats, and she checked, and it said 14.9% of Americans can understand what you've written. Uh, it's a valuable lesson in humility when people look at those uh, those stats. But if you looked at the uh, speeches in the the Republican convention and the Democratic convention, the main speeches, you will see that they're always, almost all of them are sixth to eighth grade uh, levels with the same philosophy when it comes to uh, words and sentences. Peggy Noonan, who I don't agree with at all on issues, says to me, look, or says, as I do, you know, keep your sentences to 12, 13 words. So I don't think there's a single difference between uh, you know, Democrats and Republicans in politics when it comes to speeches. Okay, well, as it's uh, on the nightly news every night, and it has been for uh, last year and will be for the next three months, I have to ask you, um, what's your opinion, obviously you're a Democrat, so I'm not asking political opinion, of a candidate like Donald Trump, who seems not to use a speechwriter or didn't for a while. I think now he's started using a teleprompter a little more, which implies somebody's written. Yeah, he, has a, he, he does have a speechwriter who's gotten a fair amount of publicity. I think his name is Jim Miller. Um, but um, I, I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> and, you know, I teach public speaking and I coach too. So I think about delivery a lot. And I have never seen candidates so prepared, so coached, so effective as this year. Hillary is way better than she was in 2008. And so are her speeches. You know, I have an idea who writes her speeches, I mean, who's on our team. But um, her voice is varied. She rises to uh, applause lines better. She's fluent and witty in interviews. Of course, they're carefully prepared with. You know, and when you had those 17 Republican candidates on stage for the first debate, I mean, aside from what they said, except for... Um, Chafing, you know, uh, they were all skillful. Cruz, Rubio, Christie, uh, and yes, Trump. Uh, no matter what you uh, think of their views, were um, incredibly good speakers. I mean, Cruz especially had uh, a very good speechwriter. She's since left to become a commentator, but uh, his announcement speech was full of story. It was very good and very well delivered. Now. Let me say something about Trump. You know, of course, I'm highly partisan. So what did I think of the stuff he said? Uh, you know, that's for another day. But as a performer, he is commanding. He has a resonant voice. Uh, look, look at the way he uses pauses and emphasis and language anybody can understand and repetition, which is the source of power in political speech. You know, there's a reason... Martin Luther King didn't say, I have a dream one time. He said it five times because he can rise a little in pitch and uh, emphasis each time and carry the audience along. And Trump does that too. So some people criticize him because he uses, they've used the readability stats and see he sometimes talk at a fourth grade level. Well, you know, why not? Um, you know, he is uh, talking to be understood. And last night, uh, he was 
forceful. Now I know <clears throat> a lot of my Democratic friends said, well, he, uh, you know, he appealed to his base, but he's got to enlarge his base, and that speech didn't do it. But uh, I would be surprised. I'm waiting to see the polls. I, I think there'll be at least a short bump in him because he's, a, he's actually a very uh, commanding uh, speaker saying things that I disagree with totally. Yeah, it was interesting. You mentioned his uh, speech in Phoenix last night, which was very much anticipated on the topic of immigration. I didn't listen to the whole thing, but I did catch him a couple of times, obviously reading from the teleprompter, say, and I think he used the phrase, as I've outlined above, which struck me <laughs> I as something that would be written for if you were in a, a written page, it would make sense, but didn't seem to make sense in the context of speech. Gee, I thought I was the only person that noticed that. Yeah. Ah, well, it's, uh, you know, clearly this is something written for him. Uh, I doubt that when he said he was working on it all day, I doubt that he had much, uh, uh, you know, influence on it. Uh, but he could read it smoothly. And, um, uh, uh, but yeah, that was a, speechwriter written uh, speech. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, interesting. I mean, obviously, like you said, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade level, and he's got that down cold, I guess. He's not going to... uh, This guy uh, um, from Australia uh, interviewed me two years ago for an Australian magazine, and he had emailed me and said he was going to talk about this curious idea that you know americans only have a seventh grade reading level so i looked it up for australia uh before we talked and it's australians have a sixth grade level (laughs) and uh i was really happy after the interview he actually put that in the piece that he did you know Mm. confessing that i (laughs) that i'd done my homework right very good well you you are the um as, as i've written in my blog uh I'm a huge fan, very impressed by your book, The Political Speechwriter's Companion, which I think is about six years old now, published in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, it, how, how did you come to write that, and, and how's it been selling? Um, well, it, uh, it was kind of odd. I mean, I was teaching speechwriting then, and I had a course book that I used, uh, you know, maybe 80 or 100 pages of stuff. Uh, and uh, when I was in the White House, I would use it for, for you know, interns. Uh, anyway, but I was also working. I was a chief speechwriter for Pfizer. That I would write in Washington. I'd come up there for a day or two. And uh, one night I was in the office very late, and I was kind of disgruntled that I was there. And I got this email from CQ Press about my textbook needs for next year and then at the end it had a question said have you ever uh tried to write a you know had an idea about writing a book that uh might uh, students might uh, want and i was annoyed so i wrote i not only have a have an idea i have a book or it's a course book and i use it it's about how to write the political speech and i think it's the only thing of its kind and i just sort of hit send and went back to work, and about 10 minutes later, this editor wrote me, and it's about midnight, he said, that sounds like uh, it's, it would be perfect for us. And he didn't, um, he didn't then offer me a contract. It took about a month, and he sort of led me through 
uh, had a uh, right one, which included a marketing survey, and uh, I had done I had written four novels, but I, you know this is this is new for me. Uh, and then I Texas um, Pfizer changed my work regime then so I took a buyout and I spent two years writing the book I had a great editor and really good designers uh, and it was a pure pleasure and it sells steadily it doesn't make me rich uh, it sells maybe 1500 2000 copies a year but in the field uh, people you know use it and uh, um, it you know I get a lot of emails about it and it's uh, it's great yeah, it, I mean, my my copy is heavily marked up. And before this call, I, I, I took a quick look at your uh, one of your concluding chapters, uh, final words, where you say that you point out that, you know, like you said, you, you you've written novels, and most novelists grow up reading thousands of stories, and that helps them refine their craft. But it's different with speechwriters; most of them learn on the job. Mm-hmm. And you're you're saying that. Um, you know, speechwriters really don't pay, start paying attention to speeches until they have to write one. What's been your experience with your students? I know one of the callers today is, was a student of yours. And uh, are the, I mean, who comes to your class? Is it people who suddenly thrust into this role or uh, how does that work? Well, this is Washington. <laughs> and yeah. so, uh, and I teach at American University, which is the school for political junkies. I mean, if you, uh, they were all raised on West Wing, and uh, you know they uh, they think this is really uh, glamorous, and so the students that we attract, whether undergrads or graduates, and public speaking is, is undergraduate, but speech writing is a blend, uh, and at uh, Hopkins where I worked, at, you know they were all grad students, brilliant grad students, uh, but. It's a night class, and students are as awake at 11 o'clock as they were at 8 o'clock. These are, uh, you know, they are just, you know, lots of people already work on the Hill as interns. Uh, and so it's a pleasure to talk to them. You know, they're sophisticated about, um, you know, about speech. Uh, you know, I had the cup, and even though I'm very partisan, I think me and my co-teachers, Eric Schnur and Jeff Nussbaum, various years have done this. Uh, we um, we take as much pride when we see the Republicans succeed as uh, as the Democrats, and we you know we sort of park our feelings at the door when we're teaching. I had a I had a student a few years ago who was um, the press secretary for Michelle Bachman, you know, far to the right. Uh, Republican member of Congress then, and she was great. I mean, she would come in at, from the Hill at 8 o'clock texting something about politics, and then she would sit down, and she was absolutely attentive and worked hard till 11, and then she would go back to the Hill, back to her office, and put in a couple hours more work. So uh, that's the kind of students we get, and they're, they now write all over the hills and nonprofits. Some are in, in the White House. You know, um, it's uh, it's just a pleasure. And, and what would be from the class if this is not a 
ridiculously simplistic question. What will be your number one lesson for would-be speechwriters? Well, my mantra, it's the first thing I usually say. Oh, I forgot to say it today. Speeches are meant to be heard, not read. And it is surprising how many people don't just say, oh, of course. You know, but I mean, I do workshops in Vietnam, and I started off, I said that, and everybody sort of nodded. But after the workshop, uh, one of the students emailed me, and he said, you know, when you said that, I had never thought of that idea, and I'd never seen it anywhere, and neither had any of my classmates. We were talking about this throughout the entire two days. The workshop was two days. It never struck us that there is any difference between a speech, and uh, uh, an essay. Uh, But, of course, there is, and it makes a tremendous difference in language you use and how long your sentences are and every phase of uh, speech writing, you know, because when you're listening to something, you can't reread it. You know, so that is one thing I always, you know, emphasize. And the second thing is to learn. You know, it used to be, yeah, that you would say you learn on the job, especially in political speech writing. But there are lots of ways to learn. My book isn't the only one. A lot of public speaking texts have a lot of sensible advice. And then there's YouTube. You know, there's a website, AmericanRhetoric.com, which has thousands of speeches. You can watch them. You can scroll down and read them as you're watching. Uh, as long as you realize that their speech bank, they alphabetize speeches by, you know, by the first name of speakers. So uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is, is under A. Mm-hmm. Once you realize that, you can do something which you could never do 10 years ago. Uh, just you know, look at great speeches, read them, think about why they're good, think about what kinds of techniques you can borrow. There's loads of resources to do that. Now, I've also, actually looking back to the Australian uh, interview you did, <clears throat> I saw that um, apparently Kurt Vonnegut had a role in your uh, choice of profession. <laughs> what, what was uh, that? Yeah, that's been in the paper. It's actually true. Um, so I, was, I left undergraduate school. I wanted to be the greatest novelist in the world. Uh, but uh, And... At one point after the first semester, Kurt was my advisor. He was totally unknown then, but he was writing Fleur. I have five that would make him famous. Uh, but one day he said, you know, I like your work, but uh, I can get you an assistantship, but you have to teach speech. So I said, I don't know anything about speech. And he said, well, you better learn because, you know, it's 1800 bucks a year, which is what the university was uh, charging for tuition. Uh, so they gave me, I said yes, so they gave me a, a textbook, which was Monroe and Enninger. And that was very useful because what has become a hugely popular um, structure for speech, Monroe's motivated sequence, uh, we could talk about that later if people are interested, are, uh, you know, came out of that book. And I use that for just about every persuasive speech that I, that I do. Um, so Vonnegut once said only a nutcase would go into politics. But, you know, I was in touch with him, you know, later in, you know, in the 90s. And, 
he was actually pretty interested. He wanted to know what it was really like. That's great. Um, one one final question, and I think uh, we'll open it up to uh, the people on the phone, uh, and I'll give you an, uh, everybody listening, uh, start thinking about what uh, conversation you'd like to have with Bob Lamon. But you've been in the corporate world, you've been in the um, political world, and I presume uh, you yourself, as well as some of your students, have done freelance work. Is there any specific advice you give for somebody who wants to make their living as a freelance speechwriter? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's what I do. Uh, but remember, before that, uh, I worked for two governors, two members of the Democratic leadership, and the vice president of the United States. And that means I had a lot of experience, and it meant I don't have to market myself. Um, I strongly, I think, writing freelance speeches is great. You know, first of all, it's lucrative. You know, I mean, I, you know, I've done freelance journalism, which is great because it has my name on it. I'd work for a month, knock myself out, and even the, you know, magazine cover story, I get fifteen hundred bucks. You know, I don't regret that, but you know, you work a week on a corporate speech, you can make fifteen thousand. So. You know, there's that, but um, uh, you know, it's it's very hard to work without a portfolio, and so uh, you know, you got to look for job listings. If most people that are listening here have jobs in speech writing, uh, you know, we could. That's again, that's something else we could uh, look at. But if people want to do political, this is a great time to do it. You know, the last two months of a campaign, find a small campaign, volunteer to write speeches for free, which is not beneath anyone who's starting out uh, because you want experience and you also want a portfolio. Um, now, if you want to work in politics or on the Hill or in Washington, that's a different uh, question. But, um, uh, or, you know, but anyway, if you want to freelance, I would, you know, I would strongly suggest, uh, you know, um, trying to work other places full-time first. 